You are listening to the Ingenious Podcast, where God's word is shared to build undisputed champions and mighty redeemers. This message is brought to you by the Ingenious Network. Enjoy the message. We are still getting in our words, but it's a new year. And this year we are going to concentrate on restorations. Our focus is going to be on the temple its systems and its practices. It is of utmost importance that this year we align ourselves in such a way that we can get the best out of the Holy Spirit. And trust me, um, we are in the best years of the church. Everything looks deplorable. Everything, everything looks as if it's it's falling apart. But trust me, God is on the verge of a great victory. Prophetically, we have seven years to see a great turnaround. And this year, we've entered into that season where the Lord is going to recover a lot of things quickly. And that is why 2023 for us is the year of restorations. It's not just restoration. It's the year of restorations. What it means for us is that from now till about 2030, we are going to see the Lord restore a lot of glory to the church. And we are going to see a lot of people who are in the church take their proper place so it is not just about a restoration but it's about restorations this evening i'm here to unveil to you the temple and its systems this evening i'm here to do the unveiling of the temple my prayer is that you will understand the things that we are going to talk about please bear with me this year we are going to do the teaching is going to take a different turn in the light that it's not going to be preaching but it's really going to be teaching my prayer is that every day you're going to ask god for understanding so that you and i will be able to get the best out of what the lord wants to do so let's open our bibles to haggai chapter 2 verses 2 to 10. haggai chapter 2 verses 2 to 10. now remember the book of haggai is a book concerning the experience of the jews post exile it's a post-exile experience. What I mean by it's a post-exile experience is that that is the time that they've been to Babylon and they are returning according to the prophecy of Jeremiah. Remember how Jeremiah prophesied and said that they were going to go into captivity in the land of Babylon, but the Lord will bring them back. And that is what we see in the book of Haggai, a fulfillment of the prophecy. Now, where do we know that 
the prophet Jeremiah prophesied that they were going to come back. We find it in the book of Ezra chapter 1 verse 1. He says that in the first year of Cyrus king of Persia, the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled. That the word of the Lord from the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled. The Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus the king of Persia so that he made proclamation throughout all his kingdom and also put into writing that says the king of Persia, the Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth and has charged me to build him a house of Jerusalem in Judah. So you see that in Ezra chapter 1, we see that the, that the prophecy of Jeremiah might be fulfilled. God sends stirs up the heart of Cyrus to send the Israelites back to Jerusalem. So in Haggai chapter 2, it says that, Speak now to Zerubbabel, the son of Sheatiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehoshadak, the high priest, and to all the remnant of the people, and say, Who is left among you who saw this house in its former glory? How do you see it now? Is it not as nothing in your eyes? Verse 3. Yet now be strong, O Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, O Joshua, son of Jehoshadak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord. Work, for I am with you, declares the Lord of hosts. According to the covenant that I made with you when you came out of Egypt, my spirit remains in your midst. Fear not. Let's go. But thus says the Lord of hosts, yet once more, in a little while, I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land, and I will shake all nations, so that the treasures of all the nations shall come in, and I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord of hosts. Verses 7 and 8. The silver is mine, the gold is mine, declares the Lord of hosts. The latter glory of this house shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place I will give peace, declares the Lord of hosts. Now, verse 10. On the 24th day of the ninth month in the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came by Haggai. The prophet so we are here and 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 the lord is questioning the people did you see the temple in its glory who among you now remember it's been 70 years since they went into exile now so this question is is posed to people who were let's say one year two years three years four years at most 10 to 15 years old when they went into exile and the lord is asking did you see the temple now remember the temple of solomon is the most majestic temple that has ever been built for any deity according to some scholars they believe that if you if you quantify all the gold and all the ornaments that were used to build the temple 
we are talking something in excess of a hundred billion dollars and that is how much solomon spent to build the temple so he is asking the people who saw that kind of temple a temple built in excess of a hundred billion dollars did you see that magnificent building now let's compare it to, to now that you have come out of exile back to jerusalem now remember the city was plundered by nebuchadnezzar the temple was raided all the gold in the temple was taken away all the treasures in the temple was taken away all the treasures in the land was taken away everything that sp- that had value in the temple was taken away and now the bible says that the lords by cyrus have sent them back but you know he sent them back with gold he sent them back with silver but the gold and the silver that he sent them back with to rebuild the house of the lord was nothing compared to what solomon used in building the temple so as the lord is asking who saw that house then he is reminding them that even though you are sad about it because comparatively when you look at it you realize that what you are doing is not magnificent enough it's not glorious enough it is not beautiful enough but the promise of god to the people was this i am going to usher in another season of glory that you are going to enter into the temple and you are going to encounter a glory that is far greater than the glory of solomon now personally i believe that he was speaking of the temple that jesus was going to make possible by his death and his resurrection because i remember jesus at a point in time saying that remember that one who is greater than solomon is here so if one who is greater than solomon is here then it means that the works the achievements the establishments that the one who is greater than solomon ushers in is going to be greater than everything that solomon did and that is what we are talking about this evening as we are unveiling the temple i want you to have a very broad idea about the, what a temple is now we we started talking about the temple sometime back last year and we touched on some essential points concerning the temple now we know that when we talk about the temple biblically there are five kinds of temple that we encounter in the bible now we know about the temple or the tabernacle of moses that is what that was what was built in the book of exodus when we read exodus chapter 25 and the lord commands especially verse 9 when the lord commands moses that build me a sanctuary according to the pattern that i showed you so you realize that that is the first thing that is the first um structure that was put in place to house god now the from from 
Moses, um, we have something called the, the, the tabernacle of, of David. That is the tent that um, David pitched when we read um, 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 17. He said that he built a tent and he put the Ark of the Covenant in it. And that's where he organized the, the priests who were, who were singers to conduct a 24-hour uh, praise and worship service in the land of Jerusalem where they always praised and worshiped God. So we know that tabernacle, we call that the tabernacle of David, and we see it in 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 17. Now also, we know from the tabernacle of David, David himself wanted so much to build a house from God. And time and time again, when we read um, um, 1 Kings chapter 5, and, and, some, and, and, and also 2 Chronicles, mostly chapter 3, chapter 5, you're going to come across various assertions that Solomon made concerning his father. He said that, you know how my father desired to build a house for God, but God said, you cannot because your hands had so much blood on it. So the Bible says that David made provision for the building of the temple. And when we read First Chronicles chapter 28, uh, we are going to find that the temple and its patterns as uh, Solomon built where the architectural design was given to him by his father David. And so that is technically the, the third kind of structure we see that has been offered to God to live in. Now remember, after Solomon built, um, the temple was destroyed. And when the temple was destroyed, this is what we see um, um what we call um the restoration of the temple and we see zerubbabel um, ezra and haggai and all these people come together to try to restore the temple but this is also part of solomon's temple so it's part of the third temple but there's also the fourth temple the fourth temple is what we see in ezekiel the book of ezekiel mostly when we read from chapters um 42 to 48 we are going to see the what we call the millennial temple as scholars have put it and this millennial temple is is so magnificent now in all these physical structures now i've mentioned four physical structures all these things technically even though they have various names for it can be referred to as a sanctuary or a temple or a tabernacle because it was a structure built to house God. Now, we know about the fifth temple. The fifth temple is what Jesus himself spoke about, that he was going to tear it down and he was going to build it up in seven days. And that is found in the Gospel of John. He said, that I'm going to tear this temple down and I'm going to rebuild it in three days. Uh, John chapter 2, John chapter 2, rather, Jesus said that um, I'm going to destroy the temple and I'm going to rebuild it in three days. And when we read further, he says that he spoke of the temple of his body. And we know in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 that um, verse, verses 19 in particular, that our, our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. So these are the five technical temples that the bible speaks about but 
Today, my assignment is to unveil the temple to you. We are talking about this temple and it's important that we understand why we are talking about restorations, the year of restorations, and the emphasis of God is going to be on the temple, its systems, and its practices. Now, what is the temple? To understand the temple and appreciate what a temple is, we have to start from the beginning. In the beginning, we realize that when we read the book of Genesis chapter number 3, we realize that the Bible says that, especially verse 7, God used to come to Adam in the garden and God will, will, will have fellowship with him. And say, in the cool of the night, the Lord came, the voice of the Lord came. So we, we know by that particular reference that God used to come into the garden. Now, to understand the temple, there are so many levels. The first thing that you have to understand is that to appreciate what a temple is, we have to understand the process that goes into the building of the temple. Now, just like in Genesis, the foundation was laid. Now, remember, in Genesis, the Bible says that when God had created the heavens and the earth and put everything in it, what he did was that he planted a garden in the east of Eden, and there he put man. And the man there is generic, of course, so it comprises of Adam and Eve. God created a special place in the land of Eden, a garden. And the Bible says that everything that was in this garden was pleasing to the eye and it was good for food. And that is what God did. And that environment, the environment of the garden was so much like the atmosphere of God in the heavens that God could come and go at any given point without announcing his presence. He didn't have to announce to Adam that I'm coming. He could just show up why because technically the garden is what we call a sacred ground the garden was sacred because god made it for himself to be able to visit adam and eve and when we lost the privilege of having constant fellowship with him what happened was that we had to be driven out of the garden and remember before we went out of the garden the bible says that the lord um put we don't know how he did it, but we believe animals were killed because the Bible said that he gave them skins to, to cover themselves when we read um, Genesis chapter 3, verse 21. So when we come out of the garden, we realize that fellowship is now broken because now man has come into the, the realm where even though it was created by God, it, it has not been made suitable for God to come and go at any point in time as the garden, because the garden was specially prepared. And that's what I want you to get. The garden was specially prepared. That man will stay there and God can come there and they can have fellowship and do everything and, and, and it was flowing. But when that communion was broken, the Bible says that God, because of his love for us, had to put in place a system that was going to help us to stay in touch with him and so we read in genesis chapter 4 that when adam and eve they gave birth to sons cain and abel god required of them 
an offering so i believe that i personally believe that it is not something i have read in the scripture but i can deduce from the way things are that god taught adam the system of giving offerings on altars so the first thing that god did in trying to teach man about the temple was the creation of sacred grounds sacred places and we've already talked about what a sacred ground is a sacred ground is a place that is purposely devoted for god god is there god says i will be there i will it is a special place where we meet god right so in genesis chapter 4 the bible says that um these people started giving offerings and as they are giving offerings we know that they learned that system from somewhere so it stands to reason that adam um uh, after the fall was introduced to the system of altars and offerings altars and offerings and chief among the offerings that the lord taught them was the burnt offering uh, we are going to read the first time in the bible we are going to read about burnt offerings burnt offerings that's the first offering that we are going to see israel or um, the chosen people and the burnt offering was first and foremost offered by noah we are going to see that in genesis chapter um chapter uh, nine i believe uh, yeah chapter nine i believe so he introduced them to that system altars and offerings now altars and offerings was going to be an avenue that god was going to use to meet man because it was going to be a place where the sins of man could be could be covered could be covered could be covered and so as this thing is going on what we see is that the lord is teaching them how to he's gradually introducing them to the temple and how it operates but you see something happened in genesis chapter 6 in genesis chapter 6 the bible says that there's the sons of god came and saw the daughters of men and they fell in love with the daughters of men and they they came to know the daughters of men and they gave birth to an abomination now when you read the extra biblical text like um the the book of enoch and all the other ones what you're going to come across is that these people give birth to what we call in our time the giants now these giants are not only giants uh, the bible refers to them as the nephilim or the zanzumen or they, they have various names in the bible now these were abominations and when you read especially the book of enoch it tells us that these are they that taught men how to do evil so we realize that from genesis chapter 6 the bible sees that sin increased in the earth sin increased in the earth now when these angels fell they came with the knowledge of heaven they came with the wisdom of heaven they came with the the 
the creativity of heaven everything now remember we have physical beings and we have spiritual beings and we we are all endowed with what we call abilities ability supernatural abilities and when these angels fell they did not lose their supernatural abilities and so when we read the rabbinical test you are going to find that these fallen ones they taught men how to um work with iron how to extract the gold from the earth what to use it for they taught us how to make weapons they taught us how to read the stars and the constellations they taught us how to do magic by combining herbs and leaves so they taught us so many things now remember in 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 eden we did not need that knowledge because god was there now remember in 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 the garden adam could name all the animals without without struggling but now he has he has left that atmosphere in this new atmosphere he must learn to interface with the divine and that was what they came to teach how to interface with the divine so when god started introducing them to altars and sacrifices he was introduced the first he was introducing the the fallen man back to the realm of the spirit now what an altar is is a gate an altar is a gate is a gate to another dimension the spirit dimension and people who learn to build altars are able to um, invoke now altars are for invocation invocation and invitations altars are for invocations and invitations so when you raise an altar what you'll be able to do with an altar is one you'll be able to invite spirits from the other dimension to enter into your dimension or into your domain to help you in any way that you like and and you they come with that invitation you have to invoke them invoke them and so you have to understand that altars are not exclusive to christianity altars are not exclusive to christianity an altar is a medium to interface with the divine and the divine we have the good side of the divine and we have the bad side of the divine now we see a progress in this ability to interface with god now remember these altars there was a way to do them there was a way to raise the altar this is how god showed israel to raise an altar when you are raising an altar you could not use anything that was made by man so the stones that you are going to use to raise the altar it all had to be of natural source so if you are going to pick rocks it has to be rocks that have fallen by themselves you cannot use rocks that you, you use hammer to break and design no everything had to be natural and there were specific things that had to be sacrificed on it and so when you raise an altar depending on the spirit you want to invoke and invite that spirit will tell you the requirement i need this if you want me to appear to help you i need this on the altar in order to be able to come from my realm and come into your realm to help you 
so if you want to raise an altar altar is just so when christians are saying i'm raising an altar sometimes it's funny because how are you raising that altar because it is the spirit that has to tell you what to do for it to become an altar now when these folly ones came and sin increased the bible says that um once another thing happened god had to destroy man and when god destroyed man what happened was that he saved the the tribe of noah and when he saved the tribe of noah in genesis chapter 9 we see that noah raises an altar he receives the promise of of god by the signal of the rainbow and god tells him that i'm not going to destroy the world with water as i've done again but then when we progress to chapters 10 and 11 we are introduced to a man called nimrod and this nimrod the bible says that he told the people at that time that come and let us build for ourselves a city in this place and let us stay in this place and let let us build a tower that is going to reach up to the heavens now the the scholars tell us that this tower is not as a lot of people imagine it is not just a tower what they were actually building was a shrine that shrine is called the ziggurat the ziggurat it is spelled z-i-g-g-u-r-a-t now this shrine was going to be the instrument by which men could trap the atmosphere of the spirit realm of the dimension that they have opened with the altar you see because the spirits dwell in their realm and we as men dwell in our realm they cannot stay in our realm when they come they have to go because first of all they don't have the 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 vessel that can host them to be hosted in the earthly realm you need what we call human flesh and so what these angels taught men is that there is a way that you can build and if you build according to that pattern you'll be able to replicate the realm and the domain of the spirit that you are looking for in the earth realm and when you are able to raise that kind of structure your work to invite the spirit to do things it becomes much more simpler so they raised the ziggurat and when they were raising the ziggurat the lord saw it and the lord said that behold the mind of man has become one and if i don't intervene in this issue whatever it is that they have desired and purposed in their heart they are going to be able to achieve it and so the bible says that there the lord came down and he there he confused the language of the people and that is where we have the name babel from the place of confusion so in the place of confusion what the lord sought to do was to make it difficult for man to be able to trap spirits now we see that the knowledge did not die what happened was that the knowledge was disseminated all over the world 
now when we read um deuteronomy chapter 32 deuteronomy chapter 32 says that when god divided the nations among the sons of god when we read the um, genesis chapter 11 10 genesis chapter 11 you are going to re- realize that after the confusion the lord divided the nations into 70 um clans or territories and the bible says in deuteronomy chapter 32 that these 70 territories they were given to the sons of god to govern but out of the 70 the lord chose jacob or israel to be his portion so you realize that in the book of daniel daniel encountered the prince of greece the prince of greece and uh, the prince of greece is the governor of greece he's a spirit he has that legitimate right and he says that and michael the prince of israel came to fight for with fight with me and that is why i'm able to come that is what gabriel said so we realize that gabriel um angel michael is the prince of the nation of israel so god divided the nations to what we call the principal spirit and these are what we call principalities or the archangels now 69 of them belong to the devil one belong to god what god was trying to do was that he was going to use the one to prove to the 69 that whatever you take back from me i can take back and he was going to use the one to teach the the 69 who were now called the gentile nations how to find their way back to their creator and so what happened is that the 69 because they were governed by these fallen ones these fallen ones came to teach them the wisdom of the heavens the corrupted wisdom of the heavens and so when you look at the pyramid that those kinds of studies will tell you that strange things happen when you are around the pyramids why because the pyramids were built according to a certain design according to a certain structure according to a specific architectural specification and that specification is what makes spiritual possibilities a reality in the realm of man and so when god wanted to teach his people how to do it the bible says in exodus 25 verse 9 that he said to moses that build it according to the pattern that i will show you you see there is a way to make your home uh, a habitation of spirits there is an architecture and if you are able to get that architecture and build according to that architecture and raise an altar that is what literally we call shrines you see so the 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 ones that um belong to the gentiles were called shrines or the high places of the gods and the ones that belong to israel were called the the sanctuary of god what is the difference the difference is very simple the difference is that one architectural 
our design was sacred, set apart, consecrated, therefore holy and uncommon. The other one was profane and common. And that's what made it dangerous. So we see God over time begin to teach Israel how to bring the rest of the world to the knowledge of Yahweh, the true God, the creator of the universe. All the other gods. Now, one of the things you are going to find when you begin to get serious with God is that you are going to find that most of the things that, that you read in the Bible, they, they are not original as you think. For instance, the Bible was written in a time where when you compare it to history, now when you are going to when you become a serious Bible scholar, you are going to come ag- ag- across names such as Meso- Mesopotamia. You are going to come against concepts called the, the Canaanite culture, the Sumerian culture, the Phoenician culture, the Mesopotamian culture, the Canaanite culture, the Sumerian culture, the Phoenician culture. These are all, um, these are all, I want to call errors that predates, in quote, the formalization of the things we call the Bible. Or the Torah, the things that we see, it comes that the Canaanites have their own story of creation, the Mesopotamians have their own story of creation. It was written before the Torah or the Bible was put together. And when you read it, you are going to find that it has a lot of similarities with the things that are written in the Bible. Now, why is it so? It is so because you have to understand that the spirits that fell from the heavens. Now remember, when we read, I believe, Revelation chapter 12, it tells us that the dragon and his angels were cast down. The dragon and their angels, they were there during the creation. And so before God could find a people, a nation, a tribe that could hold on to his heritage, they decided to own the story of God. So that when people had come to tell the true story of God, they said, no, no, no. You see, they are liars. They are liars. We have the original. So they tried to go ahead of God to corrupt the story of God. But we know the truth by the Spirit. I've spent my days reading a lot of rabbinical tests concerning creation, concerning the temple, And one of the things that I see in some of the scholars is that they are just looking at the test. They are looking at the discoveries, the archaeological discoveries to collaborate and corroborate their stories. But you see, the experience of God is different. I know visions are real because I've seen visions. I know that hearing from spirits are real because I have heard from a spirit or I hear from spirits. And so my interaction with the Bible is different from somebody who is approaching it from a a nominal point of view or from a natural point of view. There are things that I'll read and I I will understand based on my experience than somebody, imagine somebody who has never seen a vision trying to read somebody who says 
and I saw a vision. And the hand of the Lord came upon me and he took me to this place and to that place. How is that person going to justify? He's going to say it's, 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 it's a projection, it's a conjecture, it's possibly based on, in quotes, as a knowledge that was given to the person, but the person did not want to say it that this person told me. So he had to put it in a way that a deity gave it to me or a divine spirit communicated to me so that the people will have much more respect to the word. And we see this happening a lot in our time. So you realize that the, the angels taught the Gentiles how to build shrines in the days when God had come, even in the realm of man, in the days of Israel, we, we hear a lot of things about what we call the high places. The high places. And, and, and you are going to realize that a lot of these architecture in their attempt to get back to the divine realm, they built a lot of these shrines on hills or on mountains. And you wonder why? 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 Let's go. Let's go to the mountain of the Lord. Let's go to the high place in, in, in Shiloh. Why were they building altars on hills, on mountains? There is a reason for it. And this is all part of what I want to achieve today by unveiling the temple to you. The temple is the upgrade of the altar because in the temple is the altar. The altar by itself is exposed to the, uh, the, the natural element. It is just that sacred piece, that, that small portion where the altar is that is consecrated but when it is upgraded to the level of a shrine a tabernacle or a temple the area of coverage is expanded and that area of coverage is expanded in so many ways now remember when you build a shrine the land mass that you're going to build on naturally becomes larger. The territory is going to become wider. You're going to put things like gates, windows on it. You're going to put other furnitures and all the other things in it. When you enter into a shrine, you realize that you've entered into a different environment. When you enter into a tabernacle, you realize that you have entered into a different environment. If you enter into a temple, you realize that you have entered into a different environment. The purpose of the temple, the tabernacle or a shrine was to let the people know that even though that you are living in the natural realm, there is a door that can lead you to another dimension. There is a door that can help you to interact with the other side. There is a gate that can be opened if you know what to do to be able to tap on the advantage of the divine to have influence and affluence in the natural realm now you are going to find this you are going to find that in our natural realm there are a lot of people that say that you don't need god all you need is your intelligence you need to work hard but have you wondered why bill gates and all these millionaires and multi-billionaires they have 
they practice yoga when you go to their house they have statues of buddha they say that they do something called meditation have you ever wondered why because they found out in their practice of becoming excellent and becoming successful that you can never do it by your strength you need the help of the divine and there is so much help for us as believers there is so much help for us as believers if we can understand the temple the systems it practices the principles that were used in it our lives is so going to be so much richer it's going to be so much bountiful so much peaceful now when you read the the, the book of haggai as we've read it you realize that he says that and in that day they will have the covenant of peace if you know how the temple operates you will live in peace you will live in peace how was jesus so confident in life that he was able to look at the pharisees and say tell them that this temple that was built by herod as magnificent as it looks i'm going to pull it down and in three days i'm going to raise up a better temple you see that better temple that jesus spoke about in john's gospel chapter 2 is what we call the regenerated man the regenerated man a man born conceived and born in the very likeness of god a man that is one spirit with god a man that is practically like jesus human and divine if we understand this you are going to realize that there is so much we can do in this season of restorations if you would understand that you and i we are temple now remember last year we dealt with us being separated consecrated and in communion with god now if you understand your role in this restorations that are about to happen i am telling you that what has not been achieved in 10 years can be achieved in a year what has not been achieved in 200 years can be achieved in five years you see it took seven years for solomon to build a temple but jesus took three days to build a better temple jesus took three days so i am here to let you know that as to build a temple it is going to be very technical we are going to be looking at the articles in the temple we are going to look at the architecture in the temple we are going to look at arrangement in the temple and you are going to see that in this world things are not as they seem one of the things i hope to do is i don't know if i can upload pictures i would have uploaded the aerial view of the city of washington dc the city of berlin these capital cities and we will look at the aerial view of their architecture 
and you realize that even they understood that buildings are not just buildings and buildings have the potential to host spirit to force a particular outcome in the air if you understand what you are doing and that is what god has made us if we will understand that we are a temple we will understand that we can force particular outcomes and results in our world and we will not live a defeated life we will not live a miserable life because what we are as temples is as the lord said in exodus chapter 25 verse 8 is that build me a sanctuary that i might dwell among them what we have become is the habitation of god what we are is the habitation of god i am not just a person i am a being that has god the divine being the greatest of all living in me and so when the scripture says that greater is he that lives in me than he that is in the world he's not just talking about we quoting scripture he's telling us that understand what you are understand how you have been built understand how you have been arranged understand your purpose and allow the divine to have full expression you see the purpose of the temple was to allow the divine to have expression in the realm of man my prayer for you and i this evening is that we will allow god to find his expression in our lives i want us to pray tonight for a little bit this is our first meeting in 2023 we don't want our 2023 to be like our 2022 we are in the year of restorations and i don't know what you want god to do for you if you have listened carefully to what i've said today you realize that god progressively introduced israel to the temple and its systems and its practices he started with altars and sacrifices he introduced the the fallen ones brought in the shrines and god said that there is a better shrine it is called the tabernacle the place where the creator of the universe dwells then he taught them how to build it then he taught them what to do in it and you see one magnificent thing i haven't said is that you see the altar was just a small piece it could occupy a space of let's say three by three but the tabernacle occupied a larger space the tent of moses occupied about about 100 feet it, it is less i believe it's less because it's 20 cubits 20 cubits long 15 cubits high but put together the temple of solomon is twice the size of the tabernacle of moses and the temple of ezekiel is, is more than 10 times the size of the temple of solomon what am i saying whenever god introduced the, the concept of the temple 
it was always in a larger scale. It kept getting bigger and bigger. The restorations of God are going to get bigger and bigger. And that is why in the book of Haggai, he tells us that glory is coming. That glory is going to be far more magnificent than all that we have known. Your life in 2023 is going to get better and better. It will be better than 2022. Your marriage is going to be better than 2022. Your relationship is going to be better than 2022. Your business is going to be better than 2022. Your education is going to be better than 2022. Your your experiences in life is going to be better than 2022. It's because you are going to allow the spirit to have full expression in your life. This evening we have come, we have listened. We have come to unveil the temple of God. We are not, we've talked about many things, but what I want you to what I want you to take away from today's teaching is that the temple was made so that the divine can find expression in the realm of man. What are you going to do so that God will find expression in your life, in your home, in your marriage, in your relationships? That is what we are going to pray today. We are going to pray and ask God through the Holy Spirit to help us to open the door to the Holy Spirit so that the Holy Spirit can have full expression, can say what He wants to say, can show us what He wants to show, can do in us what He wants to do. Wherever you are, I want you to lift your voice and pray and say that God, open me up to the Holy Spirit. Open me up to the Holy Spirit. Open me up to the Holy Spirit. More grace. More mercy. More love. Let the divine find full expression in me. And the Bible says that and Solomon prayed after he had offered 120,000 flock hundred thousand a thousand bulls he prayed and said that Lord come and dwell in this temple and the Bible says that fire came from on high consumed the sacrifice and the glory of the Lord filled the temple will you offer up yourself your spirit your soul your heart, your mind, your eyes, your ears, your tongue, your mouth, your hands, your feet, every organ in you, would you offer it as a sacrifice and say that, Lord, consume it. Come and dwell in this temple that you have ransomed with the precious blood of Jesus and find full expression. And the Bible says that in the glory of the Lord entered and the priest could not enter. You want to pray that the glory of God in 2023 will enter into your temple. The temple call your body. The temple call your home. The temple call your marriage. The temple called your career. 
that the glory of the Lord will come in and will overpower every effort of man. The Bible says that, and the priest could not enter. That divine expression will be fully manifested in your life in 2023, overpowering every scheme of the of man, defeating and unseating every device, every scheme, every logic, every plan, every strategy of man, the glory, the glory, the glory, the glory. The temple was made for glory. The temple was made for glory. It was meant to be the habitation of the greatest of all, the king of glory. Lift up your head, O ye gates, and be ye lifted up, ye ancient doors, that the king of glory, he is the king of glory. The one who wants to find full expression in your life, is called the king of glory and in 2023 he wants to restore glory to your life glory to your relationship glory to your finances glory to your health glory to your education glory to your business glory to your career the lord wants to do this for you would you lift up your voice and pray this evening and say that lord have your way have your way. Kira so rashanos. Mokura basita torobokiro shata. Mende kura sita rushavanes. God bless you for listening. Maranatha, the Lord comes. <laughs>